0: I want to thank uh, thank you for all that you do to represent these service veterans, because they're devoted to you. For the family members, the caregivers, survivors will call Virginia home. I'm especially honored to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine. I, uh, I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what, look at her, she looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her
1: like a little lady in the race car. Hey, POTUS, it's President of the United States, not pedophile of the United States. <laughs>
2: over Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
3: point, though it's hard to imagine now, the current revolution will end. Ultimately, all revolutions do end. They can't be sustained. And when ours does, we'll wake up one morning in a country where we don't have to lie about everything all the time, where math is allowed, where we can acknowledge the profound and inherent differences between men and women without being fired for it. That day is coming. The question is, when it does come, what will be left of our society? We can't know the answer in detail, but here's what we're hoping for. We hope that reason remains. Reason, logic, the ability to think clearly and rationally, that's the one thing we can't lose. We're gonna need it to rebuild. That's why of all the moral atrocities being committed at the moment in the name of equity and inclusion, it's the relentless attacks on science that should command our special attention. So for the next hour, we're going to consider those attacks in some detail, and we're going to start with America's response to the COVID pandemic. When the coronavirus first arrived in our country last winter, most Americans uncritically accepted what the authorities said about it. They thought they could trust the people in charge. Few imagined that our leaders would leverage a public health emergency for their own political gain. That seemed like the one line that even politicians wouldn't cross, and yet almost immediately they crossed it. Around the country, Democratic governors used quarantine restrictions to reward their allies and to punish their opponents. Abortion mills stayed open, but the police kept churches closed. You could buy weed, but you couldn't get your knee replaced. Demonstrations against the lockdowns were banned. Riots against Donald Trump were encouraged. Watch the governor of Michigan, for example, shamelessly explain the difference
4: is probably not going to be safe to congregate in masses for quite a while. And it's heartbreaking. But we know that Michigan's not alone in this moment, that this is what is happening all across the country, that these big gatherings just can't safely happen right now. The death of George Floyd has once again shown a light on the systematic cycle of injustice in our country. To the overwhelming majority, who have taken to the streets and protested peacefully, protesting historic inequities, black Michiganders and those across the country are facing. I hear you. I see you. I respect you. And I support your efforts to enact real structural change in America.
3: So you are no longer allowed to exercise your constitutional right of assembly unless it's to publicly support the Democratic Party. And it wasn't just the governor of Michigan. Gavin Newsom did the same thing in California. Phil Murphy did it in New Jersey. It was partisan politics posing as science. But and this was the most amazing part. In the end, it was endorsed by actual scientists. And that's the part that should worry you. Doctors like Jennifer Nozo at Johns Hopkins University told us that structural racism was a bigger health threat than the coronavirus. So go ahead and loot Macy's. It's an important part of public health. For those who still believe that American science was on the level, this was a shocking moment. When did the people who are paid to be rational become corrupt religious zealots? When did our scientists become ayatollahs? Well, it happened years ago, it turns out. The rest of us just weren't noticing. In February of 2019, a piece was published in the journal Neurology, which in case you don't read it, is one of the preeminent peer-reviewed publications in all of medicine. The piece was called Lucky and the Root Doctor. He described a physician's experience with a man in the Deep South called Reggie. Reggie was suffering from a severe neuromuscular disorder which had left him blind. Modern science might have helped Reggie, this was the point of the piece, but he didn't want the help. Reggie believed he was blind because he had been cursed by a voodoo spell. That's what he told his physician. And then he refused treatment and left the doctor's office for good. Now the doctor who wrote this piece about Reggie was a man called William Campbell. Campbell believed in Western science. He did not believe that voodoo is the cause of blindness. And the piece he wrote was designed to help other physicians communicate with patients like Reggie so those patients could receive effective medical treatment. Unfortunately, American medical journals are no longer allowed to criticize witchcraft. Criticizing witchcraft is racist. So the editor of Neurology, a man called Robert Gross, began a purge of his own publication. He fired the humanities editor, then he suspended the entire humanities section. And then to further atone, he hired what he described as a deputy editor for equity, diversity, and inclusion. Then Robert Gross, as if this wasn't enough, wrote a groveling apology letter for the piece, calling Campbell's article racist and acknowledging it had caused, quote, anguish. Nowhere in that letter did Robert Gross explain any of this. Why exactly is it racist to prefer Western medicine to witchcraft? Isn't that the whole point of our system? Gross never explained. He just declared it racist and moved on. So that's now the official policy of this country's top neurology journal, that witchcraft is the same as Western medicine. And how dare you say otherwise? Where does this leave you? If you were nervous about brain surgery before, this is not comforting news. How long before your doctor sacrifices a chicken in the operating room? That's a serious question. We can no longer say that science is better than voodoo. That's racist. Something similar has happened in the world of economic research. One of the top business journals in the world, the Strategic Management Journal, deleted a paper from the Internet without any explanation. Now, the key thing to know is all of the numbers in that paper were accurate. The data were right. No one claimed otherwise. The piece went through peer review. It was published. The piece was published because it was called this, quote, examining investor reactions to appointments of black top management executives and CEOs. Now, we don't know what those reactions were. It might be interesting to know, but you can't know because the original version of the piece has disappeared. It's gone. It's now in the remote cave where we hide uncomfortable facts. It's been replaced by a heavily revised version. So what's the truth? We can't know. This is the definition of corruption, but it has spread through science. Take a look at the jobs postings at Nature magazine. Nature was once the foremost science publication on the planet. What Nature is looking for now in its employees has nothing whatsoever to do with science. In fact, it's anti-science. Here's one recent job posting they posted on Twitter. Quote, as part of our commitment to foster diversity and inclusion, we are looking for a black candidate with a passion for science communication based in the UK for a full time paid news internship. End quote. So the thing that jumps out is that no whites or Asians or Hispanics are allowed. Is that legal? Of course it's not legal. But that's not really the point. The bigger problem, and it is bigger than civil rights law, is that the people we trust to make the most important decisions in our society, the essential decisions, what kind of medical research do we fund, who gets treatment and who doesn't, who lives and who dies, the people who make those decisions are no longer rational. They have lost the ability to think empirically. Equity is now their god. They no longer believe in science. That's a real problem for the civilization. Victor Davis Hanson. And welcome back to Flyover Politics. Politic.
1: It's May 29th, and I don't think I could start with a better intro than that Tucker. We're going to go back to it a couple times. He's got some good segments. Because that is the real problem. I mean, everything we talk about on the show is bias and... It's a byproduct of narrative, which has allowed a president of the United States who's known for groping people, been accused of groping, to say what he just did at a Memorial Day event. That's why I started the show with that. I want to try to change up the intro and maybe do a little funny, but what the fuck? What the fuck fuck? What the fuck, what is that? Do you know what would happen if Trump said that? Good God in heaven. So I went into the Tucker because I think it it just encapsulates everything. So today we're going to cover January 6th, a little bit on Israel, Wuhan, media bias, some race and woke on the end. But I wanted to get some stuff up front. I mean, that I just find to be, I don't even know the words for it. It it is literally shocking some of the things that I've seen lately. Um, But let's do a little soundbite that I don't have in the show today because I'm not doing anything about climate, but but it's pretty good
5: meteorologist and climate specialist Jeff Barardelli. Jeff good morning how dire is this actually expected to get
6: so yeah in the next five years it is somewhat likely that we will hit one point five degrees Celsius briefly temporarily that's two point seven degrees Fahrenheit of warming since pre-industrial times it's likely to happen during an El Nino year that's when it's really warm in the Pacific so uh, natural variations on top of climate change then it will go back down but You know, this is really just a sign that humanity isn't doing very well in managing our global greenhouse emissions. And at 1.5 degrees Celsius, it's not like we're going to fall off a cliff where things all of a sudden are gonna get catastrophic, but things will progressively get worse at a much faster pace. The intensity of these extreme weather events will pick up. We'll see compounded events, heat waves on top of sea level rise, on top of large hurricanes and impactful hurricanes. And so things will just get worse and worse if we breach that. And the bottom line is by 2030, 2035, unless we really rain in our emissions very quickly, we are likely to get to 1.5 degrees and continue to increase our warming close to 2 degrees. And again, we have to do something very quickly about it, or we're inevitably heading in that direction.
5: You say that, Jeff, this is a symbolic marker.
6: Why? Yeah, because, I mean, humans chose it, right? We chose 1.5, we chose 2 degrees. So basically, we made it up. Like, we've been saying forever.
1: Oh, we just chose it. It, it doesn't make sense, but... Going with the Tucker, and I had this set up before, I saw the Tucker last night. Um, th- this is just classic liberalism. So we're going to have a segment today where we're pushing back on critical race. It's really a huge thing. Nationwide, parents, because of the teachers union not wanting to go back to work, remote learning and parents being able to see what their kids are learning, yeah, we're finding out it's just an indoctrination camp. So with the pushback, this is a, um, who is this dickhead? New York Times guy. Larger problem with critical race theory bans isn't that a chunk of material is now illegal. One can teach around bans very easily. Problem is they scare teachers away from topic and conversation. This chilling effect is what First Amendment prohibits. This coming from the guys who have basically banned everything. I mean, you can't say anything anymore. You lose your job, you lose your social media platform, you just get trashed. Then we have this wizard. Rarely has the GOP fixation on race shown all its ugly facets like this. This piece of shit, Kristen Clark, she got confirmed. She's confirmed. She's a racist. So, of course, they're pushing back. Then you have these, because they can't let this go. Deep-rooted racism permeates U.S. Army. Picture of a black guy. The article doesn't really push it. They don't have any proof. They just say it. Because they can. And it shows that every organization now is going through this woke bullshit. There's your CRT. This is why. They're being told to use COVID funds to push dogma. That's why I was so enraptured with what Tucker put out. It's so true. We are literally in this reverse world and everybody's part of it even the never trumpers and i don't know if i have a picture of this i don't their favorite person yeah she's all in on wokeism
7: my re-election uh my primary race uh is going to be a focus uh you've heard president trump say that uh, he intends to play a role in this race uh and and so i anticipate it's going to be a hard fought race i anticipate it's one that there will be a lot of national attention on and I really do think it's one that will uh, be be a moment where the people of Wyoming can can demonstrate to the country uh, our commitment to the Constitution. And uh, no matter what happens, I, I've got uh, eight opponents right now. Uh, if uh, the former president decides he's going to endorse somebody, uh, the choice for the people of Wyoming will be very clear, and they'll be able to choose between um, uh, you know me, the candidate, and the incumbent who uh, has demonstrated. Uh, faithfulness, fidelity to the Constitution, um, and and fighting for the people of Wyoming versus a candidate who has pledged their oath, pledged their their oath and allegiance to Donald Trump, and uh, that is a race that I uh, look forward to having. Uh, it's a race I intend to win, and it's a race that'll be very important in terms of, of the future of our party and and, and the future of our our uh, republic.
1: Liberals say that. That's what liberals say. If you don't elect me, the country's going to fall apart. Who the fuck does she think she is? Who does she think she is? Does she think she's really that important? Online with our lack of truth, this is just a snapshot of emergencies from Planned Parenthood. And I usually play this In the backside of our podcast, because I know I'm doing some quick hits up front, I just don't want him to get buried. This is, uh, this is fucking horrible.
6: Oh my god, guys, I'm freaking out. (laughs) What am I going to (laughs) do?
4: Just kidding, I already scheduled the appointment.
8: (laughs) I am what conservatives fear! (laughs) that's good.
9: Hey, bestie. (laughs) You're wrong. I think it's time for another adult pre-K lesson. What do you think? All right, turn your listening ears on. You catch a bubble in your mouth. (gasps) Good job. Okay, here's the thing. Having a preference is something like, I'm looking for a partner who likes kayaking or wakes up early in the morning or loves pizza (laughs) but when your preferences exclude an entire group of marginalized people that's problematic okay that's not nice that's not a preference if you lump all fat people in one group together as though they are not very different individuals that's fat phobic just like lumping all black people in one group and saying i don't like black people is racist and lumping all disabled people in one group and saying i don't think people in wheelchairs are hot is ableist do you understand what i'm saying
1: <laughs> that first girl's a horrible human being i hope she fucking i hope her uterus falls fuck out that's what i hope happens to her and the second one this is what they are creating It all ties in. When you don't live in a world of facts, when we don't trust science anymore, you get these wahoos online, and that's exactly where we're at. I mean, we're in such a factless society. I was going to play this on the other end when we start doing some fact-checking stuff. But I think it's better up front, because the Babylon Bee literally sums it up. Biden creates fans account to share exclusive ice cream eating pics with journalists. And that's basically a porn account. Because this is our media.
5: And I kind of can't believe I'm saying these words out loud. But in 1993, members of Congress held an ice cream party. It led to perhaps one of the greatest C-SPAN banners in all of C-SPAN history, Capitol Hill Ice Cream Party. It was supposed to be an opportunity for members of Congress to mingle with members of the ice cream industry to, I don't know, promote ice cream or something. This is not a joke. This is real. This actually happened. There was a Sunday building contest. The guy on the left went on to be Trump's director of national intelligence, then-Senator Dan Coats, competing to build the best ice cream Sunday against other senators. And this ice cream social for elected adults, it was one particular senator's dream come true. to hear, but let's freeze it right here. This is perhaps the most Joe Biden thing I've ever seen. Delaware Senator Joe Biden at an event on the Hill, gently ribbing his Senate colleague before absolutely going to town on an ice cream cone. Joe Biden has been a senator, a vice president, and now a president himself. There's been a lot of change in his political career over the years, but the one constant is that Joe Biden really, really loves ice cream. He talks about it literally all the time. He visited the headquarters of an ice cream company back when he was vice president. He said, quote, I eat more ice cream than three other people you'd like to be with all at once. I have no idea what that actually means, but I like to think of it as Joe Biden's, I don't know, his default mode. No matter what's going on, no matter if he's a senator or a sitting president, no matter what crisis is sitting on his plate, just get that man a cone.
10: Mr. President, what is your message to Republicans
11: who are prepared to block the January
0: 6th commission? Each of Trump could drop a
11: check. That's great. On a commission? I think
10: it's.
0: I can't imagine anyone voting against the a commission on the greatest assault since the Civil War on the, on the Capitol. But at any rate, hey
12: guys, I can for up. ice cream
5: came for the ice cream that was the president today making a very on-brand emergency ice cream pit stop after giving a speech on the economy in ohio and i know the president really wanted to focus on that chocolate chip cone but the news out of dc today was so tense and so toxic that it trailed him all the way to that sweet little ice cream shop in ohio this afternoon
13: you did some
14: uh, fantastic and extensive reporting this weekend on Joe Biden, who he is, his life and his tastes and his style, and not to ask the reporter to get too Gail Sheehy about it, but what parallels could you uh, take away from that uh, about his patterns and habits, how he lives his life and his governing style as president? Well, uh,
12: he, we sort of looked at that because the personal time the little free time a president has how they structure their day how it's scripted how it's unscripted is incredibly revealing and so what we found is that joe biden is a creature of habit a creature of routine he spends much of his free time when he has it with his family there's an obvious reason for that this is a man who lost his first wife young daughter and then later his oldest son, Beau, um, to cancer. So family is incredibly important. I was told no matter what he is doing just about, he will drop everything, stop in the middle of a conversation, stand up to take a call from his wife, his children, his grandchildren. Um, There were some interesting things we found in contrast to his predecessors about what he read, right? If Obama read The New Yorker and The Atlantic and Donald Trump basically read Twitter and Breitbart News, Joe Biden um, is very conversant with Car and Driver, the the auto magazine, and also with Apple News. It's, uh, it's a news that product app that is installed on iPhones when you get them. Joe Biden, like a lot of older adults, uh, never took that off. And Abe said he would always regale them with little tidbits like, oh, did you see the world's largest moth? Or, oh, there's this Japanese woman, the oldest woman in the world, who's 118, 119 years old. Imagine what she's seen. Um, So just little glimpses here and there. The last thing is Joe Biden, uh, someone put it to me, has the taste of a Um, five-year-old. It's PB&J, chopped salad with grilled chicken. He likes orange Gatorade, and he stocks the Oval Office with homemade chocolate chip cookies. Uh,
1: We're about to go into the serious part of this fricking show. And I'm going to talk like Scott Foley. What the fuck? We got people living down in a van by the river. And all we're talking about is the president eating ice cream. He's gonna take troop levels down and cut spending in the military while he's creating fucking more wars. We got migrants coming across the border like crazy people. But yeah, yeah, we we don't, we, 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 we talk about ice cream. I mean, this is why. We voted for Trump. This is why people voted for Trump. He might have been a piece of shit. He wasn't presidential. His Twitter account was embarrassing. But articles then were from a media who wasn't part of the party. He gets two pieces or two scoops of ice cream and everybody else gets one. He's a motherfucker. Now it's like, what'd you get, president? Was it chocolate or vanilla? I mean, they're going to run out of cream to jerk with. Senate. Republicans have blocked the creation of bipartisan panel to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The Senate fell short of 60 votes needed to consider a House passed bill that would form a 10-member commission. A motion to move forward on the House passed to establish January 6th it failed to get 60 votes. It got 54 because 6 GOP Cassidy, Collins, Murkowski, Portman and Romney Sass, the same old people decided to vote with the Democrats, eleven did a procedural vote. Kristen Cinema is a piece of fucking shit because she just didn't show up because that freaky ass fucking weirdo who prayed did, did got sworn in on a dictionary or some shit worships the devil and dresses like a whore. She's more conservative than half of the conservatives. On our voting record. It's pretty fucking impressive. But our media wasn't happy. We're going to start with the sound bite of the century. Literally AP. You've probably already seen it. But I got to play it. In George Floyd Square. That they won't talk about is actually a Chaz. And the murder rate's gone up 800% there. There's no cops businesses can't open it's a total shit show i mean total shit show and as they're mourning george floyd we got my going pepe le p okay who's that guy so yosemite motherfucking
15: sam up in that bitch slaying bullets
0: Breaking tonight, the one year anniversary of the death of George Floyd brings with it a stark reminder of the violence plaguing many major American cities, the deadly consequences of that happening. President Biden met with Floyd's family today at the White House. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, shots rang out this morning near the intersection where Floyd was killed last year. Here's what it looked and sounded like live with an Associated Press reporter.
13: They wanted this bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be.
5: uh, Just got to be careful here with some gunshots. Excuse us, excuse
16: us.
1: It sounds like gunshots.
0: I don't have to say, excuse me, when you're getting out of the way there. But one report said as many as 30 gunshots were heard at that spot. Correspondent Garrett Tenney was there when the trouble began.
3: of Republicans now saying, well, you see crime statistics going up. Uh, this is going to become a refund the police debate.
17: You know, it is you know, we're, we're really in the space that I feel like we asked us- often go through the hamster wheel. You know, what What I think is important is that defund the police, for all its credits, the bottom line is we are talking about police reform. For a number of years, we could not even have that conversation. Not in a way that we were really talking about policy that would change the nature of policing in this country. And so the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that it is on the surface right now, and that it is a debate, and that it is a key issue, actually says something. And I think that that speaks to kind of the organizing, the movement work that was happening. But I also think that the underlying Issue that creates this in the first t- in the first place is that we have a uh, a problem in this country around not really dealing with the problems in community and addressing communities, but just these punitive measures that is really based on how we punish, how we can inflict more pain, how we can put more people in jail, how we can actually put more harsh sentences, that instead of having an, a, a society that we're building that really is about redemption and, and how can we actually build our communities stronger, that we have this approach that the way that we'll solve any problem is just being punitive. That's not worked well for us, that to be a country that has this police force, we're actually the most violent country in the in the world. And so I think we have to really take a look back and really, what is the core issue of what we're debating here? It's not, we should not, at, at some point, we are actually politicizing, over politicizing people's lives. Now, it's a question of who is in control, who okay, can the police control? They're going to get those bad people after you. And so we walk around that we are fearful of our neighbors instead of literally using those resources and really taking a step back to move beyond this political context to really think about how can we build a society that people are respected and honored and that we are less violent. Instead, our approach to violence is let's create more balance. Let's give more balance um, tools to the police. And so I think that this is a debate that is really far beyond politicizing as a policy issue. This is really centered in a values issue. What kind of nation are we attempting to build?
18: It's really hard to countenance um, a Republican Party that insists they are the party of law and order when they are essentially not defending the actual officers who defended their lives. It's really hard to countenance that they're the party of law and order when they are behind the scenes privately telling reporters and colleagues they know the election wasn't stolen, but they continue to tell their voters that. It's really hard to see them as the party of law and order when they watched rioters on film um, taking flagpoles, pipes, batons, bear spray to law enforcement officers while Secret Service officers were spiriting Mike Pence out of a hideaway to save his life. And a noose hung outside and rioters were coming up the stairs chanting, hang Mike Pence. Um, I find it. I find this moment, the 9-11 moment domestically, there were attackers. Unfortunately, there are many, many people in the country who have been stoked to believe that those attackers were doing something patriotic and Republicans have played into that.
10: morning, the
19: FBI is examining a suspicious package sent to the Kentucky home of Senator Rand Paul. The package contained a white powder. It's unknown who sent it or if the
15: senator was in Kentucky when the package arrived. What the fuck? Look at this shit.
1: 75 million to the Palestinians. It's no different. I know it's out of order because it's Israel, but it's no different than what they're doing here. You see, it's all the same. Hamas, good. BLM, good. It's all good. Because it's their violence. It's okay to put BLM signs up on fucking... All our fucking embassies worldwide when it should just be the American flag. They can put BLM, they can put gay pride, they can put all this stuff. That's okay. But you talk about Christianity. Oh, what the fuck are you doing? How about our troops? Ah, fuck that. And in this montage over and over... You see them saying crazy shit that somehow Fox News and Donald Trump has um, brainwashed us to believe that what happened on January 6th wasn't bad. Well, here's a cue. We all know this is happening. Right, right. Yeah. And we watched this. For a fucking year.
16: Maybe
10: you'll think of me when you are all.
16: waiting for you will prove untrue then what will you do maybe you'll sit and sigh wishing that I When you are all alone Maybe the one who will Wait for
2: you
16: Will prove undue I wishing that I were there, then maybe you'll ask me to come back or get under construction
20: on fire in Minneapolis and our partners. At-
1: One year we watched it. We watched the destruction. We watched people get murdered on TV. We were told we couldn't leave our fucking houses because COVID. And then you said that uh, COVID doesn't go because equity or equality. I don't remember what the words were, but it's just fucking insane. Heavily armed suspect arrested at Capitol on 1-6. Drove to Ted Cruz home to discuss election fraud. Court documents said that never made the paper extremists in portland attack police officers vandalized business set fire they burn shit forever and, and these the, the media still calling for it the media still saying hey let's get rid of the police no police no police yet we keep seeing that you know you know that that's bad juju don't want it not gonna put up with it i mean look at that shit BLM flags all over the place. Then you start getting into the, here's an Atlanta city councilman. He fucking had his car stolen. Who'd he call? The fucking cops. Five American institutions. Businesses have been changed. Oh, fuck. I hate the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire doesn't save you... uh, 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 Hold on. It doesn't save you. I say stay locked in, but it never keeps me locked in. Let's try it again. One year later, how the death of George Floyd has changed five institutions. Businesses. They've all been getting woke or they're out of business. Education. We have critical race theory in fucking kindergarten. Governments. Since the death of George Floyd, American political landscape is up Upended. Most immediately, the nature of twenty twenty elections radically shifted. Executive orders, religion, law enforcement—it's destroyed shit. Seventy-five percent, three and four Republicans believe Trump supporters are not to blame for January sixth attack because we have proof that they. It wasn't just Trump supporters. I read it last podcast. There's all sorts of people there. There were Trump supporters. But the people that went in the door was not all Trump supporters. And the whole thing about this investigation that's so stupid and you know it's partisan and you know it's just about politics is the simple fact you already arrested 400 people. The FBI has researched everything. They know who knew. And the reason why we don't know is because we probably know Nancy Pelosi knew. They all knew this was coming and they stood down because they wanted it to happen. You need a boogeyman. They knew they were going to lose their boogeyman. Come to be smug. Let me blow this up. He did a good uh, thing. Things we actually need commissions to investigate. Fauci funding lab that linked COVID, mobs that torch cities, Joe Biden giving Russia a pipeline worth billions, dev governors destroying businesses contrary to any science, Dems siding with teachers union against kids. Oh, and the historic, unprecedented tidal wave of illegal immigrants pouring across the border. But we were told Camilla Harris was handling it. The media want it more than anybody else byron york and george will's desire we played it last podcast see january 6 burn into american mind as firmly as 9-11 because it was that scale of shock to the system no it wasn't there's was simply no comparison to scale of motivation between the two especially when you're talking that we've all been desensitized by you saying peaceful protesters over and over and over as cities were destroyed If that was peaceful, as the media and the left said, as they supported it, bailed people out, our vice president and president did, then what happened at the Capitol was like a slap fight at a playground. There was no arm. There's no lead pipes. This is all bullshit. Everything's a lie. So here's this guy from fucking HuffPo, Trump apology... In full uh, Trump core apology mode, the 9-11 terrorist Obama, Obama, Osama bin Laden, sorry Freudian slip, never threatened the heart of American experiment. The 1-6 terrorist Donald Trump absolutely did exactly that. Trump continued that effort today. This attempt to whitewash what happened that day is shameful. 9-11 was an act of war done by foreigners. 1-6 is an attack on a republic, attempt to end our democracy, committed by supposed Americans, including a sitting president. Why? It's all. It's all a lie. Carting out Hillary Clinton. I I just got it. Just for a second. Take off. I hate Trump. Take off. I'm a liberal. An angry mom attacked our Capitol a lawmaker in our election. They killed a policeman. No, they didn't. And Republican leaders would rather we all not know what happened. This from a lady who spent. An entire four years saying her election was stolen and she didn't lose an election. Really? You're going to go with this? And the simple fact that they keep lying about a, a police officer died. No, he didn't. Everybody died. The only person that died of violence was Ashley Babbitt. Say her name. Surrounded by cops and fucking riot gear and shot in the face by a dude in a suit. We don't know his name. We don't even know why it happened. And I didn't even give a fuck until I saw the video. Because I researched and I don't trust the media. And I damn sure don't trust Never Trumpers. And then I see the media who didn't play the video from the other side of the door. It's always that way. There's two angles on everything and they never show it. Suddenly, 600 dead Americans don't matter anymore. Weird. That changed. So the government will try to get to the bottom of this, but not January 6th. You see what they're doing? They know Wuhan lab is bad for Democrats because you've idolized Fauci who signed the NIH grant that let them study this shit. And why we're doing stuff in China still has not been answered. We'll segue to a dissent. I mean, there's so much garbage on this line. It's kind of scary. It's like they wanted to suppress it. And then vice. What if we just stop calling the police? NPR claims BLM is not Marxist when they're, they they say they are. Portland commissioner outraged after concrete contractor refused to remove thin blue line from a truck. Commerce Department security unit involved in counterintelligence like operation looking at conservatives. So now we have the USPS and we have the Commerce Department. And that's from WAPO, Never Trumpers. Not the Daily Wire. Not Fox, Faux News. Nope. Minneapolis nonprofit with $35 million bails out the accused of violent crimes. And that money came from your Vice President of the United States. She did it. She
3: Here's Candace Owens. Candace Owens is the host of Candace, and we're always grateful to have her on our air. Candace Owens, great to see you tonight. What's the message of this? U.S. embassies flying the Black Lives Matter flag.
21: The U.S. embassies are celebrating Black death. The consequence of the Black Lives Matter movement, and I, I, I cringe when people call it Black Lives Matter protests, because you know what, Tucker, it is Black Lives Matter riots. Uh, The city's burned for six weeks straight following the death of George Floyd. Um, Black neighborhoods were rioted. They were looted and it led to more black death. Way more black Americans died during the Black Lives Matter riots than than the one black American that was killed uh, by a police officer that allegedly started this entire spree. And it really makes you ask questions. Why is America promoting this so much? Why is America promoting Black Lives Matter, which was is a corporation, right? So think of it All as right. a corporation. Black Lives Matter raises money, and it's dark money, Tucker, because nobody knows where the money goes. So why would the U.S. government stand behind that? Where is the due diligence here? If the U.S. State Department is going to stand behind this, shouldn't the U.S. State Department also issue maybe a memo out to let us know where the money's going? Wouldn't that be the responsible thing since Joe Biden wants to give billions more dollars to the IRS? they can take billions more from American taxpayers. Maybe he can also invest some of that money going to the IRS to look into Black Lives Matter and tell us where the money's going. I think they know where the money's going, and I think if they don't want us to look into it, there is a reason they have been promoting Black Lives Matter from the start, and it's definitely not because they want to save black lives. Because Black Lives Matter, the movement and the incorporation leads to more black death. That much is indisputable.
3: As far as I, it's such a great point, and as far as I know, Black Lives Matter stands as a matter of policy against the nuclear family, which speaking for myself, I think for you, too, and for most people in this country is the center of our lives. The nuclear family is kind of all that matters. Why in our name as Americans and U.S. taxpayers is the U.S. government promoting a group that opposes the nuclear family? And why are we putting up with this exactly?
21: Well, the government wants to make sure that families are torn apart. Every effort of what they do is to make sure families are torn apart. You did a very good job talking about even this trans agenda that's going on, which telling kids to pick their gender, telling kids to mutilate their bodies. I'm glad you covered that, because that also leads to the breakdown of family. A child that mutilates their body cannot have a productive family, right? It cannot have the nuclear family unit intact. That is the goal. And the goal is because if you believe in Karl Marx's ideologies, if you believe in Marxism, then you know what was crucial to Marx's ideology was making sure that the nuclear, Family and traditional families were broken down. Why, Tucker? Because in order for the government to replace mom and pop, there can be no mom and pop. They want you to turn to the government for every answer. They want no faith, they want no family, they want just government in the lives of every single American. This is Marxism manifest.
3: Yeah. And maybe there's a point at which if you're trying to destroy the nuclear family that we say, I'm sorry, that you know there's a line that you can't cross, and that's that's kind of it. Like no, you're not allowed to do this. I, I hope people will start reaching that conclusion because this is too far in my, in my view. Gannon Jones, I appreciate the clarity that you always bring. Thank you.
21: Thank you.
1: As we go forward in this part of the show, I want you to remember ice cream. Just remember we're reporting ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. Because Biden did this and the media doesn't care.
10: This morning, a once controversial theory on the origins of COVID-19 now gaining ground. Experts in the Biden administration are now actively considering the possibility,
17: once dismissed, that COVID may have been accidentally leaked from a Chinese lab. It's a theory that was heavily promoted by former President Trump as he tried to pin this pandemic on the Chinese, but now President Biden says there's no clear consensus on the origin and he's making it clear that he is giving this lab theory a second look. They did concede, however, that a lab accident is possible, that more research is needed. And it's a vindication of sorts for Trump era officials who long argued that they believe that this virus originated in a lab only to be dismissed in part because some of their anti-China rhetoric.
14: with suspicion growing that COVID-19 emerged from this Chinese lab, President Biden's ordering U.S. intelligence to redouble their efforts and provide a report on the origins of the outbreak within 90 days. It's a dramatic shift for the White House that just said any investigation
20: should be run by the World Health Organization. Former President Trump endorsed the lab leak theory more than a year ago when asked if he'd seen evidence giving him a high degree of confidence that the virus came from the lab.
0: Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves.
10: I did an interview with uh, actually a doctor in Australia who was one of the very first doctors in the world, and the Australians have been really in the forefront of this theory to push for an investigation of that lab, to push for you know, more information from the Chinese. And the other thing this doctor in Australia said, we have to take the politics out of this. It could be that we have not really explored the lab theory enough, paradoxically, because it was the theory that Donald Trump was pushing, and so there was some opposition to looking at something that Donald Trump was pushing and taking it seriously.
22: You know, Certainly, from pre- former President Trump and, and others, you'll get a lot of, uh, I told you so, um, and, and justification, but uh, I think to Caddy's point, you can't, you can't really look at that and get stuck on that.
20: And we should know one thing about former President Trump and some Republicans here, who seem to be almost taking a victory lap with the idea because their theory that the virus may come from a lab, that this proves that they were, quote, right all along. That's not what President Trump said when he was first in office. In fact, we at the AP reported way back in January 2020, just as this virus was starting to come out onto the world stage, And It was starting to become a concern here in the United States before it really exploded here. That then President Trump was leery about talking about the virus, sure, for fear of rattling the stock market, but also for fear of upsetting China because he was so desperate to get a new trade deal done with China. He thought a deal with President Xi, uh, working with Beijing, would allow him to have something that would be part of his re-election campaign, be part of his re-election plank there, and he was leery for months of upsetting China. He eventually, of course, took very harsh rhetoric to Beijing, but I don't, right now he and his allies are practicing some revisionist history.
23: The best evidence suggests that the kind of bat from which this virus jumped to humans wasn't even present there.
0: But you know the worst of all, whether it came from the lab or came from the bats, or came, it all came from China.
23: Because we
3: don't know where the novel coronavirus
5: came from yet, the conspiracy theories fill the void. I'm telling you the Chinese are trying to weaponize this thing conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh with zero proof suggesting a Chinese bioweapon lab is to blame
7: There's this question about the Wuhan lab we know
24: that it's been debunked those same agencies now have been tapped with investigating one of
15: Trump world's most favorite conspiracy theories. This week, Donald Trump is still pushing the debunked bunkum, despite his own intelligence community's findings that that is simply not true.
11: And there is simply
8: no reason to believe that 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 is the case. There is no empirical evidence to verify that.
6: Coming up with a conspiracy theory to try and foment xenophobia um, with respect to um, the Chinese... Has just as much factual support as taking Clorox.
0: He can't just sit back and let the doctors and the scientists do their jobs. He's got to chime in. He may pick up the conspiracy theory that this was some weapon.
14: People don't keep bats in caps. It's a complete baloney.
5: We
25: don't need to invoke conspiracy theories. This is just another example of of the president trying to change the narrative from his own failings. The problem for President Trump is that
5: he's running for re-election, is looking for ways to deflect blame for uh, the performance of the
13: administration. If you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, it's very, very strongly
0: leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated.
21: So I wanted to ask, are you still confident that it developed naturally? No, actually,
0: i th- that's the point that I said. No, I'm not convinced. This matters.
26: Understanding where coronavirus and how the pandemic began matters. A lot of the discussion about the lab leak, I think, was clouded early on because there was the suggestion by some that it was somehow a, a Chinese weapon that that caused this. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lab accident, but we've come a long way from people dismissing this as a conspiracy theory to a lot of people taking this seriously, Maggie.
15: We have, John. And look, I do think it's important to remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then-President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, Secretary of State, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab, and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly political i think that it was you know example 1000 when the trump administration learned that when you have burned your own credibility over and over again people are not immediately going to believe you especially in an election year
19: democratic senator from the state of massachusetts elizabeth warren senator always good to see you i want to start with this new counter proposal from republicans 928 billion bucks could you get on board for that
10: well, look, I don't really think this is a serious counteroffer. First of all, they don't have pay us for this. It's not real. They have this illusory notion of how we're going to take money that's already been committed to other places and other spending. Second part is I'm not hearing about the green infrastructure, about the importance of when we make these investments – that we're talking about moving our buses to electric, our school buses to electric, our mass transit to electric, so that we're bringing down our carbon footprint and whether or not they put enough money in to do this. But the third one is notice who gets left behind, the women. Infrastructure is about helping people get to work and helping businesses thrive because they've got workers. We build roads and bridges to do that. We invest in broadband to do that. We need to invest in child care to do that. Millions of women are out of the workforce right now. And one out of four says the reason I can't get child care. We were in a crisis before the pandemic hit. It only got worse during the pandemic. This is our chance to expand our idea of what infrastructure means. Give women who want to work a real chance in the workplace. And can I do one more part to that? Sure. And that is, remember, this is called a jobs bill. It's infrastructure and jobs. So long as we're investing in roads and bridges and lots of concrete, about 90 percent of those jobs are going to be for men. And they're good jobs. And I support that. And I think that's great. But when we're talking about child care, those jobs are nearly all going to women. And those jobs today pay far too little. We have a chance to turn those into good paying professional jobs so and, and- we include child care then we get. Mamas get a chance in the workforce, and daddies, and the women who are doing the work get a chance in the workforce.
19: And child care was included in the American Rescue Plan back in March. $39 billion yes. uh, shoring up the child care industry, improving the wages for people that work in that industry. And if you think about all that we've spent, right, so there is another roughly $4 trillion in spending on the table. All of this money would go to very important things. But if you you put all of it together over the last year, the government will have spent, if this gets approved, $10 trillion. People need this money. But I have to ask you about oversight. I know it's something that's so important to you. I don't see it happening. There still isn't even a chairperson for the CARES Act Oversight Committee over a year ago. Does it not concern you that we are spending a whole lot of money and not many people are minding the store?
10: You can imagine how I feel about this. Well, I want to hear about it. (laughs) My first step into public service in this way was with the congressional oversight panel watching the TARP spending and trying to keep some kind of reins on that. So what's happening now? now? Because TARP was 10 years ago. So much more money. And no, it does not have the same kind of oversight. And we're already seeing, oh, it turns out money went in to uh vaccine production and had not enough oversight. And so it went to people, uh, to companies that were poorly prepared, companies that ended up not able to perform on their contracts. Who knows what we can't see? That's the point of oversight, is that you have people who are committed, who are dedicated, and who are watching that the money goes in the ways that Congress allocated it and that people are not self-dealing or wasting the money. So should we not hit pause? So should we not hit pause on more spending
19: and first check where all the money's gone? I just, besides (laughs) you, I really don't hear anyone talking about it. You
10: know, for me, it's not about pause the spending. We need this in the economy and we need to move on all of the pieces we need to do, including on the infrastructure piece. But the point is, we need to step up on the oversight we need aggressive oversight and that means we need people running that oversight and it needs to start right now today here's what i really want to ask you about in terms of pay fors
19: why hasn't your super wealth tax proposal been mentioned right we can argue about whether or not five hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money or a little money or high tax states You have got a plan for the wealthiest, wealthiest Americans to be taxed more. And it doesn't seem to happen. We know that polls show the majority of voters, even Republicans, support this. So can you help us understand where's the resistance? I'm
10: down with it. You know, and I love that you're down with it because, as you say, most of the American people are down with it, too. You remember what the wealth tax is? That is for fortunes above $50 million. So why isn't that happening? It's a tax. That's it. You know, I feel really frustrated about this one. A lot of people that I talk to, I keep talking this up. I try to talk about it on the Republican and Democratic side in the Senate and the House. And I've got a lot of partners in this, but not enough to move it forward. And and here's the thing about it. by The 99 percent in America, most of America, paid about 7.2 percent of their total wealth in taxes last year. That top one-tenth of one percent, the people who would be affected by the wealth tax, they paid 3.2 percent, less than half as much. A wealth tax, they'd still be getting a great deal. So to me, it's like we've got to get this breakthrough. We've got to persuade our elected representatives that it is time not just to focus on income, where the differences are big but to focus on, on wealth, wealth where the differences are enormous and where those big fortunes are out there now creating their own weather systems. They are growing themselves. It's time for a wealth tax. They're buying wealth. their own islands.
1: Okay. That that's just a lot of stuff. You see some coverage, but a lot of reticence, reticence to cover this story. And I think the best is, you know, the, the, Well, let's just go through the the little thing. Tom Elliott's supercut. That's what they said about Tom Cotton who was doing it. Nets don't even cover. They're covering up that he did this. AP reporter. That was the longer credit. Denied Trump credit for early call on Wuhan. And then you have Maggie Hamerman literally saying... What you shouldn't say out loud. Well, we just didn't like Trump. It's Trump's fault that we didn't do our fucking job. Now, Elizabeth Warren, and I can't believe I played six minutes, but I want to get it. I just wanted you to hear that. Sums up what this was all about. You put Maggie Haberman and Elizabeth Warren together and you get what covid was i can sit here and show you statistics how covid didn't kill more people than freaking the flu does usually i can sit here and do a whole bunch of statistics that show they pretty much made up a lot i don't want to unplug this light there we go a lot of the data with people getting struck by lightning died of covid and things like that but it was an election year. They need a crisis. You heard Warren say it. We need a crisis so we can alter everything. And and, everything they're doing is $6 trillion budget is $6 trillion of spending. It's all because we're in crisis mode. We can't do this. We can't build back better unless we make people believe there's a crisis. So the media comes on board. It's a crisis. It's a crisis. It's a crisis. And this tweet right here is is like the low-hanging fruit. This is a CNN or New York Times. Someday we'll stop talking about the lab leak theory and maybe even admit to racist roots. But alas, that day is not yet here. How is it racist to say a town that now there's actual proof people working in a lab got super sick and 166 people got infected and that's the first cluster from October 2019 or 2020, 2020? How is that racist? They have played this just... To destroy Trump. As I've said on a show a million times, 64 million people got H1N1. We stopped counting at 50,000. But I'm sure it was a shitload of people. And granted, COVID's no joke. I got my second shot on Wednesday. I could show you, but I don't want to. My armpit has a tit in it now because the gland is so swollen off the second shot. And I don't feel good. So I'd hate to see what the real virus was like. But everything about this has been political. Maggie Hamer, that's the New York Times, sums everything up. And then when you try to get questions out of these Wahoos, this is what you get.
5: Does President Biden think these theories we hear more about now that COVID-19 may have been man-made and escaped from a lab in China are a wacky conspiracy theory or based on what he has heard and been briefed on, does he think that's possible?
27: Well, we went through this journey together yesterday, so let's do it again. Uh, So the president believes there needs to be an independent investigation, one that's run by the international community. On the rise
5: in violent crime, uh, compared to this time last year, homicides up 113% in Minneapolis, up 38% in Philly, up 22% in Chicago. Uh, Just to clarify, the White House's position on this is that that is mostly because of guns
27: well first i'm not sure what data you're looking at but i think what we can most data that is out there shows that there's actually been a rise in crime over the course of the last year, since the start of the pandemic, which actually predates President Biden taking office, to be but totally the clear, right now,
6: you're, you're right. You're right.
27: You're right, Peter, and that's why we're we are focused. Well, we're focused on uh, solutions here, and that's why we proposed uh, putting a five. We put five billion dollars in the American Jobs Plan to help address community violent intervention programs to help fund them. That's also why we fought for funding for state and local governments in the rescue plan.
5: The mayor of St. Louis says that she believes more police does not prevent crime does president biden agree with that
27: the president believes there's a number of steps that need to be taken to rebuild trust in communities we have an intelligence apparatus,
2: apparatus that's much
21: greater ideally than the rest of the world i mean wouldn't there naturally be quite a curiosity within the biden administration that this could have come from a, a lab in Wuhan? i mean it's you know, uh, nearly 600,000 people there have died. And the president has shown enormous amount of empathy for that, but should this be the cause, it would seem that the United States would want to put some of its intelligence firepower onto that question.
27: Well, I think, Annie, as you're not a public health expert, I assume, neither am I. I think we need, ac- we need access to the underlying data. Does President
20: Biden think that China would answer the questions that the U.S. wants as it relates to the origin of COVID-19?
2: Look, the COVID-19 pandemic has taken, I think, 1.3 million lives globally, uh, 600,000 American lives about. Uh, and it's imperative that we get to the bottom of just where the pandemic originated not just for the purposes of understanding this pandemic, but the pandemics to come as I've, I've already kind of alluded to. Um, and so this is something that we're going to, you know, continue to have conversations on. This is a global effort. It's not just United States alone as we're working with the WHO. Uh, this is our process here with the 90 day uh, that I just mentioned review, uh, but we're just going to continue to work with WHO. And, uh, and uh, WHO is going to continue to work with China on this. So
20: I understand why we want it to get done, but why do we think that China would cooperate?
2: You know, this is uh, this is something that you have to ask the Chinese government, right? This is something that should be important; it should should matter to them. As but the this pres- is a question for them has as the well. Pres-
21: has
20: the president specifically asked or made this ask of President Xi of China for their cooperation
18: in this effort? I'm not.
2: I'm not going to go into uh, details of private conversation that the president uh, may, may have may have had with the, with President Xi. All I can say today is that we're going to do this 90-day review, and uh, this is what the president asked. for.
1: That's how the media did this. There's like 95 in this thread that I'm not even going to play them all. Oh, the first black female ever. La, 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 la. So important. Here's WAPO. This is how, you know, because we're not going to answer. We're not going to push them. We're we're just, you know, once again, they shut down the inquiry. So clearly he's not open to everything. People are online saying, hey, this is impeachable. Why would he do this? Well, of course he has to do it. They can't reverse course. They lied to you for a fucking year telling you Trump killed everybody. It's Trump's fault. I mean, ignore they told you all to go to Chinatown. Ignore fuck he told you not to wear a mask before he told you to wear a mask before he told you to wear two masks or three masks. Ignore that they said he was a racist for stopping the travel ban and then they said he didn't do the travel ban soon enough. Ignore all that. Ignore that we now know that when Trump was out in public and he wasn't wearing a mask, he was actually with the science. Ignore it all. They needed to use it for an election year. Thanks to all the internet dads for think pieces about how reporters ignored the lab theory, have been reporting on this for more than a year. Conclusion since last number last summer has not changed. Leak theory is possible, worth pursuing, but no conclusive evidence either way so far. As much as I'm grateful for their authoritative takes and unparalleled gravitas, I only want to hear from the internet dads who are not fresh off their first Twitter thread about fur and cleavage sites and are who picked up the phone to report this story before this week. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It didn't fit the agenda. If it's China's fault, it can't be Trump's fault. It can't. Matt Whitlock... Biden quietly ends Pompeo's investigation into COVID. Experts start to coalesce around Wuhan lab link. Story breaks that Biden had ended an investigation helping China cover up. Biden announces 90-day origin probe. Only because he got caught. And then of course Drew Holden, he does his master thing. I'm not going to do it all. Fact checker timeline: How the Wuhan lacked leak theory suddenly became credible. Thread, what COVID pandemic couldn't have leaked from a lab in Wuhan went from terrible racist conspiracy theory to plausible overnight for the mainstream media without a shred of accountability. If you don't believe me, look at these stories side by side, then versus now. And I'm not going to flip through them all. Um, No, I didn't do any. New York Times, Senator Tom Coppin reports fringe theory. Another group of science calls for further inquiry on the roots of the coronavirus um cnn lab link 19 theory is like something out of a comic book new information on wuhan researches illness further debate of pandemic surges we urge the u.s to stop spreading disinformation they carry chinese propaganda new information on wuhan researches illness further debate on pandemic uh tom cotton is playing a dangerous game with this coronavirus speculation why is anthony fauci hedging on the origin of the coronavirus Tom Cotton keeps repeating coronavirus conspiracy theories. This is the Washington Post. The vexing lab leak. Fact checkers. Was the new coronavirus accidentally released from Wuhan lab? It's doubtful. Now, timeline. How the lab leak, I just read it. It goes on and on. you, You know this is what they do. They lie for the left because that's what they do. Jim Garrity. The first step on the road to COVID-19 pandemic may have come in April 2012 when six miners were signed to clean the guano from a copper mine shaft in Tugan, Maha, China. Did I get this one? No, I didn't. I think a lot of people don't grasp how big China is and how far this copper mine from Wuhan. This copper mine is closer to the border of Laos and Vietnam than in Wuhan. All six miners grew ill with a cough and fever, difficulty breathing, aching limbs, Recognizing that the virus affected the miners could be comparable to SARS blood samples. In 2012 and 13, teams of researchers from Wuhan Institute of Virology conducted a study with WIV. We found a high frequency infection by a diverse group. And he breaks it all down that it all goes to them starting to research it, and that's how it gets out. This is a scientist. Notice, if I see you in public indoor space not wearing a mask, I'm judging you. I don't know if you're vaccinated. I assume you're not. That you're inconsiderate about others' peace of mind and that you don't care about protecting my family. And I don't give a damn what the CDC says. That is from the 27th. That's a scientist. Because science is no longer sciency. That's why I played the Tucker segment. It has nothing to do with it. In public health crisis, conspiracy theories are a distraction Our collective responsibility. Stay focused. This is Vox. Clarification. Since this piece was originally published in March 2020, scientific consensus has shifted, which means we shifted. We changed our mind. We now realize we don't need it to beat Trump. Here's what WAPO is putting out this week. Yes, we'll all probably need a coronavirus booster shot. They don't want this to ever, ever end. Ever. They want this to go on forever. They need a crisis to build back better, even though there's nothing to build because we already are okay. And I talk about Kristen Wright or the racist that he, this motherfucking piece of shit is probably going to be confirmed to be your next ATF.
23: So you're asking us to ban assault weapons. We have to write legislation. Can you tell me what is an assault weapon? How would you define it if you were the chair, the head of the ATF? How have you defined it over the last several years uh, as your role as a gun control advocate? Um,
13: Senator, um, if I'm confirmed as ATF director, um, you know, my recollection is the only um, um, process but by which ATF is weighed in is that I know there's a demand letter three program, which requires multiple reports, uh, multiple sale reports on the southwestern border. And ATF in that program has defined an assault rifle as any semi-automatic rifle capable of accepting a detachable magazine um, above the caliber of twenty-two, which would include a two two three, which is you know, largely the so, AR 15 round.
23: So, you, you believe that every weapon that takes a detachable magazine that can take a 22 round or, or 5.56 five, in military parlance should be defined as an assault weapon?
13: Um, let me clarify. Uh, what I believe I just said is any semi automatic rifle. Um, with, okay, any
23: semi automatic rifle.
13: Um, wh- what?
23: That's the definition. A detachable magazine that takes a 5.56 five, or twenty-two round should be defined as an assault weapon.
13: Senator, um, you asked me um, if ATF um, had uh, used this term, and I was sharing with you my knowledge of a program in which ATF has defined this term, um, and it is in the Demand Letter Three program, and that rifle is a semi-automatic rifle capable of accepting a detachable magazine With a round greater than a 22 caliber and in those cases firearms dealers on the southwest border are required to make a multiple sale report to atf i'm i'm amazed that that
23: might be the definition of assault weapon that would basically cover every single modern sporting rifle in america today Uh,
25: mr chipman a minute ago uh, senator whitehouse asked you if any of your views on guns are out of step with the majority of the american people um, they are, they are 15 is one of, if not the most popular rifle in America. It's not a machine gun. It's a rifle. Uh, your public position is that you want to ban AR-15s. Is that correct?
13: Senator, uh, thank you for the question. And, Thank you for our visit yesterday and offering me a Dr. Pepper. It made me reminisce about my time in Central Texas. But now to your uh, question. Uh, with respect to the AR-15, uh, I support a, a, a ban as, um, as has been presented um, in a, a Senate bill uh, and supported by the President. Um, the AR-15 is a gun I was issued on ATF's SWAT team, and it's a particularly lethal weapon Um, and regulating it as other particularly lethal weapons um, I have advocated for. Um, As ATF director, if I'm confirmed, I would simply enforce the laws and the books, and right now um, there is no such uh, ban on those guns.
25: So you want to ban the most popular rifle in America? uh,
13: America. ATF director. um, i
25: got 35 seconds left. Define it for me, would you please, sir? um, What's an
13: assault weapon? Yeah, Senator, uh, um, the bill uh, to ban assault what, weapons is, what is your dozens of pages. Of an There's weapon. no way I could define an assault weapon. You don't have any. Senate. You're
25: going to run an a- this agency, and you don't have a definition of assault weapon.
13: But I would be enforcing the definition that members. Yeah, but of Congress you're going to be passed.
25: issuing rules and regulations. Just give me your definition.
13: Um, I'll give you one definition that ATF. Give me currently your definitions. One definition that ATF currently. Give me your definition. Uses. I can give you one definite. If you want not answer different. my
6: question, I, how can I vote for you?
25: I'm done, Mr. Chairman. I don't think I'm going to get an answer. Uh, Mr. Chipman, a minute ago, uh, Senator Whitehouse asked you if any of your views on guns are out of step with the majority of the American people. Um, they are they are 15 is one of, if not the most popular rifle in America. It's not a machine gun. It's a rifle. Uh. Your public position is that you want to ban AR-15s, is that correct?
13: Senator, uh, thank you for the question, and thank you for our visit yesterday and offering me a Dr. Pepper. It made me reminisce about my time in Central Texas. But now to your uh, question. Uh, with respect to the AR-15, uh, I support uh, a, a ban as, um, as has been presented um, in uh, a Senate bill. Uh, and supported by the president. Um, The AR-15 is a gun I was issued on ATF's SWAT team, and it's a particularly lethal weapon, um, and regulating it as other particularly lethal weapons um, I have advocated for. Um, As ATF director, if I'm confirmed, I would simply enforce the laws and the books, and right now um, there is no such uh, ban on those guns. So you want to ban the most popular rifle in America?
22: Uh, my, my frustration, my, my, my fury is directed right now at those in Washington, D.C. who keep watching this happen and won't do anything. Listen, Brianna, this weekend was predictable. It was. Those of us in the gun safety movement had been warning that this moment is going to happen and it's going to continue because the last administration unleashed this gun surge through covid And as we come out of COVID, we have all these new gun owners and all these new guns. They said guns were the solution. So here's my advice to anybody who wants to put an end to this. Right now, today, pick up everyone you know working in the gun safety movement and find out what we can do. The Republican Party, I saw it last week, I testified in Congress, they have checked out of governing. They do not want to be a part of stopping gun violence. They do not want to be a part of saving lives. It is time for the Democratic Party to go it alone. We have to do this. This will keep happening if we don't change what we're doing.
15: You and look, the key is legislative, right? Doing something uh, when it comes to laws, because you were actually at the executive order uh, for that. That we saw several orders, actually, that we saw President Biden put out here recently. And what that really highlighted was that it's pretty limited actually what the administration can do that said he has the bully pul- pulpit is he doing enough
22: you know uh listen that day was a really important day because the executive actions and the um, appointment of dave chipman for the atf which he must be approved were big deals he needs to push the senate the house is, is passing legislation the house is holding the hearings the senate is finally holding hearings. Thank you, Senator Blumenthal. But no, we need to do more. It's not enough. I, I I demand the Senate, at this point, break the filibuster on this issue. Because if they don't, every single day, every weekend, this is going to be normal. And and I I again say it, the Republican Party has said, we will not engage in anything to govern. We are all now, sadly, about Marjorie Taylor Greene. They will not govern. So it is time for the Democrats to do this alone. And so for those in the Senate who think...
15: Now, Texas will join five other states that have all passed some form of permitless carry legislation just this year. This despite the fact that a majority of Texans, some 59%, oppose unlicensed carry, according to a University of Texas, Texas Tribune poll. But the proposal was far more popular with Republicans. Fifty six percent of them support unlicensed carry, while eighty five percent of Democrats oppose it. And now because of this, it is getting easier to own and carry a handgun in Texas, even as it gets harder to vote there. Joining me now, Texas State Representative Joe uh, Moody. Sir, thank you so much for being with us. You represent an area that has seen some of the worst of this violence, some of the most horrific Uh, We saw that 2019 shooting in Walmart uh, that was just terrible. And the nation watched as that happened, and yet here we are. Texas lawmakers have approved allowing people to carry handguns without a license and the background check and training that go with it. What do you think, what is that going to look like on the ground in Texas uh, as far as people walking around carrying handguns?
26: Permitless carry is bad policy. But it compounds the problem in our law now. We don't have background checks. We don't have state safe storage laws. We don't have really basic safety measures in our law. And so when you add permitless carry to the top of that, it, it exacerbates the problem that already existed in Texas, which is people that shouldn't have access to weapons now can do so. And, and we, have no, we have no safety valves whatsoever. I mean, like, three weeks after the tragedy in El Paso, you had another shooter in the Midland Odessa area who went to go try to buy a gun, failed a background check, walked out of that store and went to a private sale because there's no background checks on private sales here in Texas and got a weapon and then murdered people. So in the, in the face of those tragedies, we've essentially compounded the problem.
15: So if someone is a felon, if, for instance, they have a restraining order against them, or they, you know, they, they have issues as far as domestic assault has gone, they're not supposed to be carrying a weapon. What is to stop them from basically opening openly carrying a handgun?
26: In, in the law as it is, it's or the law that's being sent to the governor. It says if you're not supposed to have one, you can't have one. But there's no enforcement mechanism. There's zero. So the moment that we will find out that someone shouldn't have that weapon is the moment in which loved ones will be in call- are going to be called and being told that um, their relative, their spouse, their child, their parent is-, is-, is dead. That's when they're
14: yesterday's slaughter in San Jose was the 232nd mass shooting this year, it's according to the Gun Violence Archive. But this death toll is taking place against a broader backdrop because violent crime increased in the nation's cities last year after decades of decline, and it's showing no signs of slowing. Major American cities saw a stunning 33% increase in murder last year. Now contrast that stat with the steep and then steady murder decline America saw between 1991 and 2014. The spike in homicides and assaults continued in the first quarter of this year. Not only that, The number of police officers who've been shot in the line of duty stand at 141 as of May 16th. And 24 officer fatalities this year is the most year to date since 2018. So you'd be forgiven for asking, what the hell is going on here? Experts blame a perfect storm of circumstances, including economic anxieties around COVID, the prevalence of guns, the release of criminal defendants due to COVID concerns in jails, as well as the overall reallocation of police resources. Laura Cooper, the executive director of the Major Cities Chiefs Association, also told me that police chiefs are seeing an increase in social media beef spilling out into street violence, all of which is sharp, spurring a rapid reassessment of the defund the police rhetoric and reality. Get this. Los Angeles recently changed course after cutting its police department by $150 million last July. Now its mayors proposing increased funding after a 38 percent spike in murders last year. In New York City, which saw a 97% spike in shootings and a 45% rise in murder last year, one of the leading candidates to replace Mayor Bill de Blasio is a black ex-cop, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, who's promising to be tough on crime while still reforming the police. Now, this doesn't mean that a police reform agenda is done. Far from it. In fact, a bipartisan police reform bill seems to be nearing completion in the Senate. But all of this highlights the importance of better policing, not necessarily less policing. President Biden has long called for an increased investment in police training, resisting calls to defund the police from the left wing of his party. And during the campaign, he took heat from the right and the left for his authorship of the 1994 crime bill signed by Bill Clinton. At the time, crime was the number one concern of Americans, but the controversial crime bill worked. Just look at its impact in hastening the decline of violent crime across the country over decades. Ironically, the current violent crime spike began under a president who promised...
22: I will restore law
14: and order to our country. Yeah. But now Joe Biden is president and Democrats control both houses of Congress. And you can bet that rising crime will be an issue in the 22 campaign. And perhaps that's why Attorney General Merrick Garland just announced a new multi-pronged plan to combat violent crime, including federal agents helping local authorities identify and arrest repeat violent offenders the ATF embedding with local homicide units, and the DEA working to disrupt violent drug trafficking gangs, all while investing in crime prevention and community policing. Despite the spike in mass shootings, Republicans in Congress will continue to block gun reform bills, even modest reforms like background checks, which have shown supermajority support. So while James Carville argues in The Wall Street Journal that Democrats are the anti-crime party, the raging Cajun knows from harsh experience that Republicans can turn rising crime into a culture war wedge issue. And as we turn the corner into summer, which is the usual increase in violent crime, public safety is again front and center in people's minds after decades of declines. And Democrats are going to have to deal with it or risk political backlash. And that's your
1: reality check. The guy won't define it because if you define it, you're stuck with it. That's everything they do, from equity to infrastructure to... Everything they're doing, they don't, they're do not they not going to define anything. They keep it vague on purpose. You don't deserve a definition. And of course, our complicit media, they're not going to fucking ask these questions. They don't care. You saw the back end. They want you not to be able to carry. They don't. I mean, Avalon, I hate playing him, but I got to. This is the only time they care about it is when it hurts them in the polls. And this piece of shit, I don't care he was SWAT. He's anti-gun anti-gun, you got this, is not going to protect you, but that's, a, that's a fucking journalist, that's a journalist, we have this guy, enlighten me, why do civilians need AR, that's all over the in, in, internet, I mean, it's just fucking everywhere, that's the, humiliating, this guy's a piece of shit, MSNBC calls for gun control after shooting, even though it happened in a gun-free zone, every issue they're on the wrong side they want violence violence is what they want and before we go into a quick media bias here here this is the i'm gonna blow this up because this is just un, unheard of this is a biden official it pains me to say this, but if you fear for your life or physical safety, take off your kippah and hide your magen, David. Obviously, if you can, ask your rabbi first. It's important that those were kippah don't feel more pressure to put our lives in necessary actual danger, especially when actions are intended to be grounded in halacha. Given the rise in Jew hatred and anti-Semitic attacks, we must stand with all Jews. I got blown up. Sorry, I can't read it. Well, maybe I put my glasses on. What do you think? Rabbi Baba blah, 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 one of the most basic principles in Jewish law is a human life comes first. Almost any religious commandment can be broken in order to save a life of a human. Our tradition just cannot conceive of its normal world. Mary understood that paka, I'm going to rationalize you not being Jewish. And then our anti-Semitism just keeps going. A group of House Democrats took veiled shots of progressives. These are Dems because it doesn't stop. That's an actual article from the New York Times. That's an article. They changed the headline Because the world lost their shit over it and said, what the fucking fuck is wrong with you? It's a gift to the right. See, it's just like crime. It's why I talked about crime and I tied it into this. It's why I keep on talking. Hamas, BLM, what's the fucking difference? It's all the same. It's non stop. It's not about facts. It's not about what's real. It's not about American lives or people getting hurt. It's about politics. How will it hurt us? The article was written by uh, New York Times ran a headline on editorial week that sparked a big reaction on social media, mainly from conservative commentators on the topic of anti-Semitism. Attacks on the Jews or Israel a gift to the right was the original headline, was changed to read The Crisis of Anti-Semitic Violence. Though the change was made without fanfare, it sparked a second big reaction on there. And who the fuck wrote this shit? Michelle Goldberg. So, of course, I'll let Ben Shapiro cover this shell goldberg column is routinely a streaming pile of horse shit this one however is the mount everest of steaming piles of horse shit i mean sure it's bad that criminals who want to destroy israel because i should back that down a little bit are beating jews in the streets but the real problem is that they're giving aid and comfort to pro-israeli advocates That's your media. It, 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 that's your media. Jonathan Chait hack of a headline update in the New York Times. Of course, there is no explanation. David Burge. And those may be a controversial take, but perhaps the main problem with domestic street violence gets American Jews is domestic street violence against American Jews. Yeah, of course. Then they ran an article. Anti-Semitism is no longer a right-wing Trump thing. When was Trump anti-Semitic? Oh, you tried to find something. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Then you got Omar. Big win for BDS movement. Let's go. Huge victory on a BDS free speech case in Georgia on behalf of Abby Martin. Federal court ruled Georgia anti-BDS unconstitutional. Violates Abby's First Amendment in due process. But she's not anti-Semitic. No. No, it's not. Then you have the threat of all threats. Because remember, anti-Semitism only matters when they can use it as a political tool against the right. It's not wrong to compare Trump America to the Holocaust. Here's why. Post-opinion. He's sort of the Goebbels Biden compared Trump to Nazi chief propagandist. Jewish Democrat group odd compares Trump era in the 1930s Ger- Germany. Gore took 37 days to concede 2000, but within the days of the no- November election, November 3rd, blah, 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 compared Trump to Hitler and refusing to concede 2020. That's what Hitler did in Germany. Joe Biden likes Ted Cruz to Nazi propagandist Goebbels, the big lie. And then, of course, we have this, because why would we not help them? The whole world saying, stop this, Biden, but he can't because he's not in charge. 500 former staffers asked Biden to take a stuffer stance on Israel. He won't do it. AP managers reporting tell employees they made a mistake for firing the lady who was anti Semitic. So, a few sound bites I'm going to play and we'll go into immigration because this is our media. You don't hurt
16: Democrats. Hello, China. 啊,我 uh, 我爱跟尊重中国跟中国人 and, and, Michelle
0: Goldberg, uh, you, you, you note that by conflating Jewish people with the Israeli state, in effect, what happens is uh, a debate, a meaningful debate on Israeli policy is effectively shut down. Uh, and, and because of that conflation, because of these sites, these scenes of anti-Semitism uh, that we've seen more in broad daylight in Europe than we have here in the United States.
28: Well, and one of the ironic things is that this is something that the most right-wing Zionists have in common with the most anti-Semitic, anti-Zionists, is that both conflate the Jewish people with the Israeli state. Both think that you can sort of attack Jewish people to get revenge on the Israeli state. You know, when Donald Trump talked about Israel as being your country, when he was talking to American Jews, that's not that much different from, um, you know, these sort of thugs who are out attacking random Jewish people because they think that they're somehow complicit in what's happening In Israel. And something that progressive Jews in the United States have tried really, not just progressive, not just Jews, but progressive Jews um, among others have tried for years and have finally, I think lately, have some success at is breaking this extremely tight identification and sort of changing the discourse so that you can talk about um, what are very real, in many cases, um, Israeli human rights abuses without being accused of anti Semitism.
1: And, you know, do keep in mind, I mean, if you're looking for organizations that will critique Israeli policies without being anti-Semitic, I'll direct you to ADL.org because we've done plenty of
0: that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there has been uh, so much progress. And Jonathan, I've seen you. And Al Sharpton talk about the importance of bringing communities together uh, after it seems every anti-Semitic attack. I, I see you on Al Sharpton show. He said this yesterday. We must be concerned with the anti-Semitic attacks and they must be condemned as strongly as attacks against blacks. We must speak out against all wrongs or else we have no standing when we ourselves have been wronged. And uh, that's Al Sharpton.
28: And, and so, and I also think that, you know, we talk about what politicians are saying, but I, I would assume that when you, when you talk about these people who are out there create, um, committing these heinous acts, you know, they're not getting their messages from the Democratic Party. I would bet they're getting their messages from the dark corners of the internet.
1: The entirety of the, the thing that animates now, the Republican Party, which is to say, the thing that George Will's talking about, what, the, what is the Republican Party? It's, it's now its basest part of its base. And the basest part of its base is, ma- is animated by hate. And it's very hard to make a distinction between one kind of hate and another kind of hate. If you're Kevin McCarthy and you start denouncing hate, where are you going to stop? Because once you start to denounce this kind right. of hate and you take a stand, you now, you're now surrounded by all kinds of hate. And the only thing that runs the GOP is hate. I pulled off that border one because the John Cena is embarrassing. Morning Joe brings on Goldberg after she writes that trash thing. And Heilman trying to spin so hard with Goldberg that it's the left or the right. Her last statement there, uh, well, they're not getting it from, they're not getting it from the left. They're, they 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 they're getting it from the dark corners of the fucking internet. No. Why, why would we, why, why, why would we say it's the left? We got to protect the left. The left is our friend. The left gives us our ability to fucking censor people. Whereas the right would get involved and say, what the fuck, Chuck, what the fuck are you guys doing? fucking embarrassing just fucking embarrassing uh, immigration, I'd play a soundbite, but I'm not. They skip offenders. I mean, there's so much shit at the border. Nobody fucking cares. Morocco's planning significant changes to ICE. They're basically going to get rid of it. ABC skips border crisis with DHS Secretary Talks Travel instead. They don't even ask him a goddamn question. Senator Holly tries repeatedly to get Biden DHS nominee crossing the border is illegal and a crime. They're not going to cover it. They don't care. They're not going to cover it. They need to replace you. They need a boogeyman. This is the this is CNN's homepage. All the shit in the world going on. This is their homepage. And you see what it is. QAnon January 6 MTG. We're not going to cover anything important. We're going to cover ice cream. Ice cream. It's all about fucking ice cream. Jake Tapper I'm not opinionated. I'm a journalist. Really? Chris Saliza, This is exactly how dangerous right-wing media is to democracy. And analysis. This is how dangerous right-wing is actually. One of the many noxious developments of Donald Trump presidency was the rise of several caves news outlets that actually say things different than us and report about the Wuhan lab. Oh, that's interesting. Then Juan Williams leaves. Fucking, this, this is just, God bless America, do you have any self, in- Fox says rotating liberal co-hosts will appear on the five until liberal replacement for Williams is named, in other words, his PO view won't, won't disappear, the program returned to New York City studio next Tuesday. Juan Williams' exit from The Five coming at a time when Fox has tamped down any dissenting views by reducing the prominence of Democratic-leaning voices on the air. Here's my full story. Well, here's a story for you. I tune into CNN and MSDNC. I never see a Republican. I never see a conservative view ever. Meet the Press doesn't even bring conservatives on. Face the Nation doesn't. Jake Tapper doesn't bring them on. If they do, it's Cheney. A Democrat who believes if she doesn't get elected, democracy's over. Such a liberal idea. And then you look at this shit. CNN rating to the toilet, tumbling over 70% since January. This is the tops. So that's uh, Fox, 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 MSDNC, Fox, Fox, MSDNC, 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 MSDNC. They don't even crack the top 10. But what do they do to improve it? New York Times. I lost my fucking shit on this. Just lost my shit. Are you kidding me? We're back to the Obama. Four years, the media and the Democrats blocked everything Trump did. They tried to block the travel ban from China for COVID. And that was saving democracy. Now, McConnell again, 0% for America. Are you serious? 40% of all stories have Trump's name in it. It's non-stop. Chinese progressive outlet Propaganda outlet paid millions to American newspaper and magazines record show. Yeah. And then this nugget before we go into some race. On how from Vietnam War to the present, aggrieved men cast themselves as discriminated against minorities they're now a minority that that's what they ran with. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's good shit. So to end our media crap, I'll play a little bit of Acosta who nobody watches and we'll go into everything is racist.
0: Republican party, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene is sort of the, the zombie Republican party. Uh, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene are, are roaming the countryside looking for brains to consume. And evidently, there, there weren't a whole, there wasn't exactly a buffet of, of uh, high-minded people there uh, available down in Georgia last night. I mean, I'm night. sorry. You know, it's done.
26: It's done. Paul Ryan yeah. is acting. Everything is racist.
8: Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist.
13: GOP lawmakers in five states have introduced bills to cut funding to schools and universities that use the project.
4: We just want our kids to have the real history of America, to be proud of America and our beginnings, and make sure that they have the facts.
13: In response to criticism about the project's focus, the Times issued a clarification last year to its opening essay by Hannah Jones, noting that protecting slavery was a reason some of the colonists fought the American Revolution, but not all of them.
5: Tanasi, what do you believe uh, the critics of the 1619 Project are worried about?
20: Is racism systemic in American society? That's, That's really at the heart of a debate that we've had in this country for years now. And right now, lawmakers in at least 12 states have introduced
8: bills that ban teaching what's called critical race theory in schools. Anthony Crawford worries he could lose his job. He teaches creative writing at Millwood High in Oklahoma City, where a new state law is set to ban certain teachings of race, bias, and history. The law targets critical race theory, a decades-old academic study of the legacy of racism and inequality. But a growing chorus of Republicans use the phrase to describe diversity training and historical teachings they see as divisive. The law bans teaching concepts that lead students to feel guilt or discomfort due to their identity. Representative Kevin West was one of the authors of Oklahoma's bill.
5: No teacher shall require or make part of a course the following concepts an individual by virtue of his or her race or sex bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex.
8: I've certainly never heard a teacher say those things. No matter what ends up happening with this law, many of the teachers feel like there's already been a chilling effect on their speech. Now, as these bills get introduced in states like Oklahoma, teachers and students are concerned about their educational futures and worried that some of the conversations they have may soon be deemed illegal.
26: One wonders how, you know, teachers in Oklahoma can
20: teach the accurate history of, for instance, the Tulsa race massacre, with a law like this on the books. We know the issue of racism is deep in this country, systemic, uh and deeply rooted but lawmakers in at least 12 states now they've begun to introduce bills that ban
29: and christy you are descendant, so i mean what do you make of that i mean the fact is you're living among people who did this to your community and they have all the power still yes they still have all the power and you know even um scott ellsworth who's on this panel with us tonight um and, and and no offense but he has done some great research about the history Um, of Greenwood and has written many books. So you see a lot of white people who still profit from our pain and from our oppression. And as I serve on the Mass Graves Committee, the Mass Graves Investigation Committee with Scott Ellsworth—they listen to him more than they listen to us. Um, so it, it, it is still those white people who are in power, um, and it's important that we we control our own history, we tell our own history, and that you know we have to to make it clear that what we want for our community, um, and as we honor our ancestors, we have this Greenwood Rising History Center um, coming up. But they never did engage with the community on what kind of history is in that museum. Our museum has always been the Greenwood Cultural Center, and that has been taken from us, and the community feels really slighted um, on this. And then you know, I'm also a Creek Freedman descendant. So you know the, the Creek Nation kicked the black people out of the tribes in 1979. Um, my family had over 460 acres of land. Um, and, and we lost that when when Oklahoma became a state, um, right. and the first law was Jim Crow, and they awarded white guardians over our, our yeah. property. Yeah. Um, so you know they're, they're, it's, it's 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 a it's a double edged sword for for a descendant like me, um, yeah. and for a lot of descendants in Tulsa, and these stories are just not being told. Yeah. What what do, what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Ellsworth? Because that I mean that's just sort of real talk. But what do you what do you what do you have to say about that?
23: Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I know Christy. Christy is a member of the Public Oversight Committee who who actually directs my committee and the work that our scientists are doing. So, um, you know, he, uh, she speaks often at the meetings. She's always welcome to hear from her. But the idea that, that just because I'm somebody who's written about this, that I have some larger sway, I mean, that's an issue for your group. But look, I think that there's a couple things here. First of all, there's no question that whites in Tulsa don't want to discuss this. That's been the case. I've been writing and researching about this for 45 years. That's the simple fact of the matter. Yeah. But the other issue here is that the Tulsa race massacre is
1: the part of American history.
23: You yeah, know, absolutely. It, it, it
1: is not just a black. You got to stir it up, man. Nothing is better for the left than to say everybody's racist. PolitiFact is we're going to close on some fact-checking, because I promise. Critical race theory is a new front in the Republican culture war. It includes the idea of systemic racism. But it's hard to defend or define precisely, and it's unclear how much it shows up in the classroom. Conservative lawmakers over a dozen states, including Missouri, Idaho, and Tennessee, have introduced bills aimed at banning critical race theory. Let me boost this up so I can actually read it. Bill generally forbid teachers from offering instruction fundamentally uh, that the United States fundamentally racists or that leads students to feel guilty for past actions by white people. Some of the bills expressly use the term critical race theory, while others ban certain practices. Educators warn that they have their intended effect, turning teachers ultra-cautious, combining the less is a limited view of the American history. This will scare a lot of schools, said Columbia, Missouri. A lot of teachers don't feel comfortable teaching around race anyway, and we put a kibosh on it. It's suppressing them. Literally, the best summing up of this is with silly Spock. We really don't know what it is, but Republicans pouts because that's—I mean, let's be honest—that's that's the best thing for everything. What they don't understand is best quantified by this: White Americans are realizing. They, too, belong to a race. Now, the intended effect of all of this is to make you woke, liberal, and vote for them. But what it's really happening is it's creating racists. And you're creating, you know, in in small cases, people are becoming big-time racists. I've heard people say things I've never heard them say before. I've read things I've never read off people because they're getting sick of it. But more importantly, you are... Making people dig their heels, and it's no better exa- just portrayed than this crazy fucking shit that's going on in corporate America. Chris Rufo had another program that just—I mean—I'm gonna try to blow this up so we can see it really good. This is people that drop bombs. They build the F-22 Raptor. This is what they say is racist. NASCAR. Oh, shit. I Guess I'm a racist. Oh, wait a minute. I'm white. I'm white, thus I must be a racist, you know? It's just a given. Hold on a second. Let's do this segment totally right because i want to make sure that you know i fulfill all the little stereotypes there we go i don't want you to watch me wrestle this shirt on because my armpits so goddamn swollen from the vaccine that i i literally uh have a hard time doing anything so here we go i got my uh, hawaiian shirt so now but we got everything going on religious if you're a Christian, you're a racist. Got it. I don't know what the black people do to reconcile that. Can't jump. Chauvinist. Anti-women. Congress. CEO. Senate. KKK. Breadwinner. Hardworking. Founding fathers. Power centers. Fathers. Educator. Rich. Not perceived as positively. Hardworking. President. Guilty. Shame. Blamed. You're not supposed to do any of this shit. What's in it for white men? And I can't blow this up big enough, so I'll go back to the, uh, The script here. Okay. Oh, there's a whole bunch of free association white men. Old, privileged, reactionary, racist, golf, conservative, majority Republican. Don't listen, executive. NASCAR. Yeah. Okay. What's in it for white men? I understand my colleagues' life experience better, can more effectively communicate. Make your team better. No, this is just indoctrination. You just want everybody to vote Democrat. That's all this is about. I mean, come on, be fucking honest. Just be fucking honest. I wish they would be honest once in their fucking life. Better able to deal with generations. Make sure we do everything we can to attract the right talent. Better being, being a better person. I'm a better person if I hate myself and I hate America. Got it challenge myself. I won't get replaced by someone who's more diverse. As a leader team, take on characteristics of leaders, solidify listening, improve the brand team members. Trust me more evolving. I have less nagging sense of guilt. I have more permission. I don't have any fucking guilt. I will live longer because you won't murder me in the street. If I wear a BLM shirt, I guess. Hmm. I have more permission to say I don't know. I leave a better world for my sons and daughter. I see WM as part, a supporting group to help me on my journey. Jesus, this is just, it's not a cult though. Trump's cult, QAnon, we need to investigate that. My God, they're crazy. This, not so much. Key white male cultural characteristics, survivor mentality that focuses on the future, tendency to rugged individual, can-do attitude, operating for principle, focus on hard work, striving towards success, measured moderation and silent strength, focus on status and rank over connection. Success in white male terms is often linked to evaluating this one place in a hierarchy. Power and success is derived from a person's organizational status. Corporate culture in the U.S. is heavily influenced and affected by status and rank. Thus, the nature consequences. It's bad for BIPOC because they don't do their fucking job, but it's racism and shit. White privilege statements. If I need to move, I can pretty much sure do that. I'll be able to rent or purchase affordable housing where I want to live. That's not true. Let me, uh, I'm on the wrong slide. Hold on a second. This is going crazy because I keep flicking things. (laughs) It's getting confused. Uh, I can go shopping without being harassed. Hmm. Lately, I've been harassed. I'm pretty sure I got food poisoned. I went to a foo-foo place my son goes to and got a sandwich. My wife got a sandwich. I was wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. I went home and got violently ill. She got sick. We literally she vomited and I had diarrhea like that from a sandwich. They were liberals. I didn't go back and say anything because I can't prove it. But in this world, oh, yeah, oh that would be a lawsuit. When I'm told about our national heritage or about civilization, I'm shown the people of my race. No, no, not even when I was schooled that I just see my race. It's a lot of American Indians. My voice is heard. I can dismiss another voice. I can go in a hairdresser, barbershop, and find someone that can cut my hair. Whether I use checks, credit cards, or cash, I can count on my skin color to support my appearance of financial liability. I have been in places dressed in camouflage and treated like a turd. Brooks Brothers. Tiffany's. I went to Tiffany's in a pair of tactical pants and a polo. They didn't think I could buy a fucking Tic Tac. I bought a fucking $10,000 ring. Get the fuck out of here. I don't have to educate my children aware of systemic racism. No, I don't because it's not real. Jesus. This is a long-ass list, folks. This this goes on. I'm not reading it all because it's just... I'll peruse it. Basically everything. My competence is assumed until proved otherwise. Yeah. And then they're running polls. This is the gay guy on Mediite. Um, Tommy Christopher, piece of shit, got me suspended so I can't use uh, Mediate to talk anymore because I dogged him. Jaw-dropping number of white Republicans says we've done enough to ensure equal rights for black Americans. I, I concur with that statement. In the fine print, an extensive Axiosysmus poll, time for one-year anniversary of murder George Floyd at the hands of police, response were asked to choose. The country needs to continue making changes to give black Americans equal right. With white Americans, our country has made the changes needed. Overall, 59% said the country needs to continue making changes versus 39% said we've done enough. There was a significant racial divide on the question, with 48% of whites saying we've done enough, still a minority, with 92% of black respondents saying the country needs to improve. But an even more stark comparison... Partisan racial divide exists with a whopping 79% of white Republicans saying America's done enough versus only 12% of white Democrats who want to use it as a cudgel the rest of their life. Respondents were also asked to agree with the statement America's not a racist country and white Republicans were 12 times more likely than white Democrats to agree. In fact, more than twice as many black respondents, 9%, agree that America's not a racist country than the 4% of Democrats who needed to win elections. 60% of white Democrats agree that the protests of 2020 over racial injustice had a positive impact on society. Many times more than 8% of white Republicans agreed, and more than 52% of black respondents who did. So you see it right there. That says everything. Democrats more than blacks thought it was a great thing. Because you got rid of Trump. And that's the whole point of that revolution. American Psychiatric Association, and since mental health professionals incorporate CRD. But yeah, it's just us being racist that we want to get rid of it. Yeah, okay. Science Journal, new internship alert. As part of our commitment to foster diversity and inclusion, we're looking for a black candidate only. That's racist, but Okay. And then you look at the national report card, why we're all freaking out and CNN and MSDNC is losing their shit over these laws to stop CRT in schools. The national report card, 4th grade, 36% proficient, 8th grade, 35 12th grade, 22%. There was a statistical significant drop in science results for 4th grade. The nation's report card. Can you link a sort? Not question you. National report card, science.gov. Wokeness, 90%. Sad side note some of the 12th graders in this report are now voters and are activists yelling in our faces to follow the science. Good job, Dems. And then you got that teacher again in Oregon. This is why this report card's this way.
11: Catherine Watkins, eighth grade humanities teacher at Cedar Park Middle School, and my pronouns are she, her, we, and us. Um, I'm going to say something that's not nice and not sweet, but it's true. If you're not evolving into an anti racist educator, you're making yourself obsolete in this field of profession. Um, our district is only getting browner and browner with our children, and so if You know, obviously you can't change your melanin, all right, but you can change your mind so that you can actually function in a a district that is full of BIPOC children. So if you're being resistant, I understand that, but you're going to have to eventually come to the light because if you're going to keep with those old views of um, colonialism, um, it's going to lead to being fired because you're going to be doing damage to our children Um, trauma. And so as we fire the teachers who sexually abuse our children, we will be firing the the teachers who do racist things to our children and traumatize them. And while our district might not be completely on there, um, OEA is working on it. All right. NEA is working on it. And so it's just a matter of time. So it's like you either evolve or dissolve. You've got to start walking with us.
1: That's not racist. How about this? All white people are racists. University official who is white goes on an anti-racist tirade. Debates about critical race theory, often straw men about whether or not systemic racism and real no-number statistics or facts that I could offer up could going to convince people to see systemic racism if they don't want to. Yes, all white people are racist, and that all white people have been conditioned in a society where one's racial identity determines life experience, outcomes, and whiteness, the norm, and the default. That includes me. I don't hate white people. I hate whiteness. To distinguish between the two, please feel free to watch my recent... Live, what is whiteness? CRT does not create oppression in name of oppression that already exists. For all white folks, I invite you to take a moment today and reflect on your past year of racial reckoning. How have you been paying attention, interrupting, and holding yourself accountable? How will you commit and recommit to racial blah, blah, blah? Quit your job then. Quit your job. None of these people say that. If you really feel the system is giving you a leg up because you're white, quit. Your fucking job. And the problem we have across the board is this. USA Today retroactively changed op-ed to use woke trans language. It was from uh, May 27th. A now ca- uh, collegiate track athlete of 2020 was ranked the fastest high school in female, blah, blah. But Mitchell wrote that she lost four women's state championship title to all New England awards, blah, blah. The problem is that it's not what Mitchell wrote on the USA Today original published throughout their essay. She went back and changed everything because woke was more important than anything else. It, it was just more important. our media doesn't care about facts i mean if they did they care about this so back to back some more trans stuff for the tucker event and project
3: veritas clearly next she tells us what she's found in a moment when almost nobody can tell the truth in public and yet occasionally you see glimpses of true things. Probably the last place we expected to see the truth was on 60 Minutes from CBS News, but recently we did, to their great credit. They did an honest look at how many physicians are treating gender dysphoria. Here's part of what they found.
17: Just four months after she started testosterone, she says she was approved for a mastectomy, what's called top surgery, that she told us was traumatic.
9: I started to have a really disturbing sense that like, a part of my body was missing, almost a ghost limb feeling about being like, there's something that should be there. And the feeling really surprised me, but it was really hard to deny.
17: And so she detransitioned by going off testosterone. And then went back to the clinic and she says, complained to the doctor that the process didn't follow the WPATH guidelines.
9: I can't believe that I transitioned and detransitioned, including hormones and surgery in the course of like less than one year. It's completely crazy.
3: How can that be allowed in a functioning medical system? Well, one doctor explained why.
17: Do you have conversations with your colleagues about this whole area of accepting what young people are saying too readily?
27: Yes, everyone is very scared to speak up because we're afraid of not being seen as being affirming or being supportive of these young people or doing something to hurt the trans community. But even some of the providers are trans themselves and they share these
15: concerns.
3: Nobody in American journalism has reported more deeply on this subject or more bravely than Abigail Schreier. She's the author of Irreversible Damage, and we're happy to have her join us tonight. Abigail, thanks so much for coming on. So every time I read one of your pieces, your book, see the 60 Minutes piece last Sunday, I have the same thought, which is where are the responsible physicians, I know they exist, who are standing by silently as this is going on? Do you have any idea?
24: Yes. I mean, they're trying to start to speak up. I mean, the Sci- Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine is formed. It's has, recently, it's a, a court consortium of, of doctors from across the West who are very concerned and oppose affirmative care. But the problem is, is that the problem is much worse than, than that doctor in six, 60 Minutes said. The reason is, is because doctors in America are afraid of losing their license. Nearly every medical accrediting organization has adopted affirmative care, which means that the doctor's job is to affirm or rubber stamp the patient's self-diagnosis, even of minors, when they decide that their problem is gender. So there's a real problem, and, and, and in the 20 states in america that have conversion therapy laws uh doctors are absolutely afraid that they could face civil and criminal penalties if they say wait a second this may not be gender dysphoria that's the problem let's explore other options
3: well that is shocking is is there any other procedure or series of procedures to which that applies if i walk in and say i want chemotherapy and the physician says i'm sorry i I don't detect cancer i want it anyway the physician could turn me down for that treatment right
24: Absolutely. I mean, this is the only area of medicine where we do this, and it's basically turned our doctors into life coaches. It is profoundly unscientific. It tells them not to use their medical judgment and instead just rubber stamp the patient's wishes.
3: Where were the rest of us when this happened? I, I, until you just said it, I didn't know that that medical associations can revoke the license of physicians who don't play along with this essentially a, a, a political movement.
24: Well, I mean, you know, we've seen some of the really giants in the field of gender dysphoria have been deplatformed or canceled. Um, Ken Zucker, you know, most famously, who chaired the committee who wrote the, to write the definition of gender dysphoria from, for the DSM-5, that's the psychiatric manual, yes. he was fired in Canada, um, you know, by, because activists called him a transphobe.
3: I wonder at what point do we look back on this and, and a lot of other things we've done in medicine, I will say, giving heavy duty drugs to kids who don't need them. But do we look back on this and recognize it for the for the tragedy that it is? Like, how long is it going to take, do you think?
24: You know, I don't know. Um, I, I have a feeling the lawsuits will start coming. But because, you know, they can attack me, they can try to discredit the, the scientists who have, have done good research into this and have shown affirmative care does not show the mental health benefits that the activists claim. But the yes. one thing they haven't been able to cover up is the detransitioners young women who are regretting that they were pushed through these treatments. They're speaking up all the time, more and more of them.
3: Man. Your bravery is a case study on how one person refusing to back down from what is true can make a huge difference. And I, I'm just grateful for what you've done. Thank you. Abigail Stroud, good to see you.
24: Thank, thank you so much.
3: Report From Project Veritas, just uncovering an algorithm that reportedly
25: could be used to target Facebook's political enemies. Now, Fox News, we're just seeing this for the first time. But as always, we let you decide. Listen to this.
16: Facebook uses classifiers in their algorithms to determine certain content to be what they call vaccine hesitant, or they call it vaccine hesitancy. Without the user's knowledge, they assign a score to these comments that's called the VH score, vaccine hesitancy score. And based on that score, we'll demote or leave the comment alone, depending on the content within the comment. And the narrative being, get the vaccine. The vaccine is good for you. Everyone should get it. And if you don't, you will be singled out. Right. As an enemy of society, they want to build a community where everybody complies, not where people can have open discourse and dialogue about the most personal and private and intimate decisions that anybody could ever face in their life. The policy is going to keep expanding until anything can violate it.
3: Here now is the founder and CEO of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. OK, there's a lot of
30: significance to this and Facebook has responded. I'll let you tell the story thanks sean we've had two whistleblowers within facebook on the uh come to us and leak us these documents uh, regarding vaccine hesitancy what does that mean essentially facebook has beta tested this these algorithms Uh, 1.5 percent of their almost 3 billion users have are getting a tiered ranking system something called vaccine hesitancy tier one and tier two tier one is alarmist and critical marks about COVID and the vaccine. And tier two is something called indirect vaccine discouragement. Now, what's remarkable about these private documents that Facebook has not wanted you to see until tonight is that tier two says that even if the facts are true, that you will be targeted and demoted. Your comments will be targeted and demoted, Sean. Vaccine hesitancy score tiering system at Facebook Um, these whistleblowers have given Project Veritas these documents and spoken to us in the shadows. It's a 20 minute long video online. The documents are on our website. And uh, Sean, after we published this report, we reached out to Facebook. They've actually given us a comment. I'm gonna read it to you. It says, quote, Facebook has responded to Project Veritas for the first time, quote, we proactively announced this policy on our company blog and also updated our help center with this information so in response to us publishing this they're claiming to now make this public but we just checked and they haven't yet made most of these documents public sean uh, okay do i knowing your
25: mo is there more to come in the days to come
30: yes there's there's more to come um what's remarkable about it is that this has been private they don't want you to know that they're doing this to the first
1: video, I can only say I've been talking about this for fucking ever. I have said it over and over and over on the show. It's not because I'm anti trans, it's not because I'm anti-gay. It's because I actually looked at the data. Glad knows it. They're they're the first people to start the surveys. They know it. And it's affecting young girls because it's just human nature that girls want to be special. And when we have teachers that are part of this cult and they give them special days, why wouldn't kids do that? I understand the left's desire to make people woke. But what damage are you doing? Then to the Facebook, did you think anything else? Now they've stopped it, of course. And they're not going to respect, going to suppress it. But Snopes and others are doing this now. False for now. Because God, don't admit that this is all political. Don't actually come out and say every fact check is fucking horrible. This one just fucking chapped my balls. They, to protect Biden, said a meme on Facebook. That Facebook wasn't suppressing. That said everything's up. Because it's true. It's all factual data. Missing content. The same information was reviewed in another post by Fact Checker. There may be some all differences. Independent Fact checker say information in this post is missing context and could mislead people. Fact Checker, PolitiFact. Conclusion, missing context. More information, Plaque. F- fact. Yes, prices are higher under Biden, but recovery from the pandemic is the key reason. Now, do you ever remember this under Trump? Ever. Ever, 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 ever. They had five billion fucking Trump lies. And why did they do it? Well, this is the raisin. Roughly accurate, but they compare April 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic went all shut down. So we're, we're doing apples and oranges. Did we ever do that for COVID deaths in H1N1? Hmm. But this is the big whammy. This is why they did it. Because Pasaki, Pasaki was trying to defend the president. And by doing it, she put out this word salad. As Americans are hitting the road, they're paying less in real terms for gas than they have on average over the last 15 years, and they're paying about the same as they did in May 2018-2019. The administration's success of beating the pandemic and getting our economy back on track had led to increased demand of gas, in the country reopens. But while prices have increased, word salad, word salad, lie, 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 lie. But they can lie, because they're Democrats. Democrats. Democrats, Democrats can lie. That's just politics, Chuck Todd says. When Republicans do it, it's lying. Yeah. Okay. That's really nice. Good stuff there, team. Good job, guys. Everybody give yourself a hand. So, last night was a NASCAR truck series, and I had a lighter fare now, but there was a crash that was really bad. So we're gonna end the show with some NASCAR. Ooh, the blood in my veins up. Oh,
5: but they never did ever lived up and flowing inhibited libid until it
1: broke up when it rained down. It rained down like believe me, believe me, believe me.
23: So Hutchins has already
5: had his issue and has come off the wall, but had been
30: scrubbing the wall for a while yet. And then Sauter and Dollar came up. When you saw John Hunter was behind them, he still had a great deal of speed too. So uh, the caution hadn't, must not have been out yet. And the drivers didn't know that Hutchins was just going to be sitting in the road. You could see Sauter wouldn't be able to see through The 51 truck of dollar and look the speed that. John Hunter has coming in there. I guess
5: uh, Johnny's spotter, the veteran tab Boyd. had radioed that he just did not see the 14 and where the 14 was on track and and. You know, that's a similar spot, Mike, where we talked about earlier that seemed like maybe is a vulnerable
30: position for the spotters. Yeah, that and that outside of turn, f- on the exit of fours, they come toward the tri area. And Hutchins' truck is black, so that probably made it a little, little more difficult to see at night against the, the black asphalt. But, uh, man, look at all the stuff. And here comes our leader. Look at him bouncing through all the debris. He'll be fortunate if he didn't do some damage to his truck. Now, watch. This is John Hunter Nemechek coming through all this debris.
1: And... It's a testament they walked away from that. There was a smoking truck on the track and all the officials in NASCAR were staring at it and they didn't see the dude hit the wall and those two guys were racing for position in blazam. I mean, just vicious. I mean, but from 2001 when Dale Earnhardt died, I can't believe the safety of these cars. I've seen crashes that I saw back then that dude walk away with a limp and they just walked the fuck out like nothing happened. It was crazy. But John Hunter Nemechek, which drives the number four Cal Bush car, so we root for it because my wife's a Cal Bush fan. He won the race, so it's pretty exciting. I stayed up for the whole thing because I, I did. I still woke up at 5 a.m., but I stayed up and watched it. Today at noon, be known, going for Noah Gregson right there. That's his the number nine BRCC Bass Pro Shop fucking Chevy shit for junior motorsports. And then tomorrow night, MTJ, Coca-Cola 600, number 19, red, white, and blue. I'm going to try to stay up for that one, but I don't know if I'll be able to do it. Or not. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Be sure share it with your family and friends by going to foppodcast.com. We can get this show and the last show. You can also go to links to Rumble and SoundCloud to get every damn show we've ever done. Our next show is going to be on uh, Wednesday, 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 2 June, year of our Lord, 2021. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. And tune back in for our next one. I usually do a summation, but I didn't do one today because it's pretty simple. Everything they're doing is a lie, from fact-checking to Wuhan to whatever. We're going to talk about ice cream. We're not going to talk about facts because we started and we ended fact-free. We're just not about facts anymore. With Trump, facts. This, not so much. And it's sad just sad. And I'm sure Wednesday it'll be still sad again, but tune in and thank you for listening.